Hey y'all, welcome to LedgerCast. My name is Brian Krogsgaard. Today I'm actually talking to CryptoCred, and uh, we're on his show for most of it. So we'll get to that in just a minute. I'm just going to cut it in and act like uh, it was LedgerCast. Josh is out today. Uh, so I talked to Cred. This was actually for part of his show over at Technical Roundup, and I'll link it in the show notes uh, in the YouTube video and on ledgerstatus.com so you can uh, learn more about the show that he produces um, with Don. Uh, and I had a great chat with Cred, so I hope that you'll check it out. Uh, before we switch over, though, I want to tell you about Macho. This is uh, our partner for LedgerCast. Um, just go to ledgerstatus.com slash matcha and you get great on-chain liquidity to trade on a DEX. Uh, smart order routing, no matter which automated market maker that you're going to use. Uh, they pull from Uniswap, they pull from SushiSwap, Bancor, wherever the trade exists, that's where you're going to find it on matcha. It is a fantastic tool that I've been using for a long time. It's my favorite way to trade on-chain. Thanks to Matcha for being our partners uh, for LedgerCast. Once again, go to ledgercast.com slash matcha to check it out. And let's get to the show. Here you go. Myself and my good friend, Ledger Status, going all the way back to Ichimoku Cloud 2017 discussions. <laughs> the good old days, as, as we know them affectionately. Cred DMing me saying, how does the cloud work? And me saying, I don't know. I asked Josh about this about <laughs> four months ago. No, it was even better. My whole thing was, okay, I know how the cloud works, but we're so far away from it on Bitcoin. What's going on? Like, <laughs> I can't use this tool. <laughs> we seem to be light years away from where the cloud would ordinarily be. So that was a bit of a bit of a reckoning. Yeah. Pleasure to be with you today, buddy. Uh, oh, thank you. Thank you for making the time. It's, it's always fun. Yeah. So what do you think? Um, I always start with some broad market overview stuff bitcoin ethereum majors we'll take a look at futures data kind of see what's up but you know the format is is very amenable given the given the friday context but i don't want to overly casualize your your show either so feel free to set the tone uh no no need no no big deal um i'm probably gonna just record an intro and then uh i'll post this later and put us in the middle of it so excellent um in terms of what do I think and where we're at in the market? Uh, sure, why not? I think we're trying to, you know, Bitcoin's like really working hard to reverse uh, reverse itself and either have sustained chop or have a markup cycle and make up some progress that uh, ETH has had against it. Um, I don't see anything that's like particularly unhealthy. We had a perfectly sized, you know, perfectly reasonable correction. Um, moderate, yep. moderate, even you could say, what was it? Uh, top to bottom 20, just under 30. Yeah. 27, 28%, uh, wick to wick. And that puts us historically in bull markets, gives us the ability to continue on with the, with the fun. Um, we haven't made new highs or anything like that. Weekly close, 60K, 60, yeah, right, just above 60K would mm -hmm. be necessary. Of uh, course, we could like blast through that early in this upcoming weekly and like you don't exactly enter on that weekly level, but you <laughs> might, as you've talked about many times, Cred, you know, you <clears throat> can apply the weekly level to your intraday or intraweek trading. For sure. And still treat it as a point of resistance, turn support, 
within that weekly bar. Uh, if someone was trying to identify opportunities for um, reentry, but I think what we're seeing more is like people just identifying where is outperformance, and, yeah. and ETH has really controlled that narrative. Um, and then the part that I've been surprised by is I thought ETH was going to not only control that versus Bitcoin, but I thought actually DeFi would lag a little more than it has, and DeFi has been pretty strong in the face of an Ethereum bid. And I'm very curious to see if like, if that'll fade or if like the ETH move will slow as more money goes to DeFi or if money like the DeFi side of things stays relatively flat and ETH on a relative basis to DeFi um, really starts to trend strongly. Cause so far like the ETH move and, and, and the uh, DeFi move have been somewhat hand in hand, don't you think? Yeah, that's been a that's been an interesting correlation to watch. I think just the the way market structures developed is really positive. Like you don't need to hold a view on everything in order to just take positions. Like I for example, someone can be in like I full, for example, someone can whatever USD collateral and then express views on DeFi without having to get the extra directional risk from like trading it against the ETH pair or whatever, right? Like if you think something's bullish, you can buy it and not have to worry about the rest of your portfolio, which is which is which sounds really self-evident. But you know, back in the day, if you will, uh, in in sort of altcoin uh, Bitcoin land, you, the actual pair you were trading was like one of the last things you were worrying about, right? And you're always worried about the market more broadly and whether the environment was one that would be sort of facilitative of altcoin action or, you know, Bitcoin sneezes and my portfolio goes to doom, et cetera. I'm just pretty pleased to, to see those, that dispersion uh, to use, to borrow from um, the block tower guys. So yeah, I'm not really, you know what? I haven't paid a ton of attention to the rotation, if there is one sort of ETH DeFi. I know a lot of stuff's been green. Um, my focus has been on so I've been kind of caught off, off guard by how far ETH has traveled, despite Bitcoin kind of being on the ropes for a lot of that. Yeah. Um, I thought it would kind of get a bit more stuck given it had like an all-time high breakout attempt. And then that's when Bitcoin had one of its biggest legs down uh, and the whole market kind of just paused as a result. Um, but ETH has, you know, it's run like 30% higher or thereabouts since, since that sort of breakout while Bitcoin still isn't hugely clear at least in the higher timeframes. So for me personally, I'm like, I want to get a really clear view on Bitcoin and then just mash the green button on just about everything. Uh, and I'm getting pretty close to that in terms of where Bitcoin is, but I guess I'm just on the very uh, conservative side of things when it comes to that. Yeah, I think that sounds fairly conservative because, um, you know, we've seen strength despite Bitcoin you could call it weakness. I think like it was, it was pretty, yeah. pretty severely, um, you know, depressed at the same time ETH was quite strong. Uh, so I think that that, that alone, like has really made for an interesting trade. Cause if you just were looking at that Bitcoin chart, there were days there until like today's, I'm a, I think it's question is today, like some kind of stick save basically, right. For, mm -hmm. the, for the monthly, um, because the daily chart looked pretty garbage. <laughs> yes. Yes. Uh, so it's not like trying to be, you know, rude about it, but it, it, it wasn't looking very good. Um, so if it's more than a stick save, if it's continuation like, it just gives us, it gives us a lot of leeway. Right. Um, we've only had, it, there's been two up days, three side days since we bottomed. Mm -hmm. and Bitcoin. 
and we're still well within the realm of chop. Uh, a lot of times though, Bitcoin doesn't like to just continue to chop. Like once it bottoms, it tends to just go, right? That's what it did at the end of January. It bottomed, it had that reversal, but then it didn't like just keep consolidating until right. March or something. It just freaking impulsed up because Tesla bought, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like I constantly rant about this when, when I get the chat with the duck, uh, and th there's this like prevailing narrative that, oh, Bitcoin will go sideways and we'll have like alt season. Uh, and it, and people tend to develop that view at really key market inflection points <laughs> where it really doesn't make sense for price to consolidate. And they find like one period of time um, where we had that close S&P 500 correlation where price just went sideways. I don't think even altcoins performed that well in that period. And they kind of fixate on that as, okay, Bitcoin just chop, I can ignore it and I can just go trade altcoins. Um, and it's just curious that always tends to happen at inflection points. I kind of agree with you. I, I don't think the, the, the market's set up to keep chopping forever, especially now, like on the weekly timeframe, it's going to open up a chart real quick. Um, we're, we're back at the top of the range, right? That's not like a, for me, at least, it's not an area where I expect the market to slow down necessarily. Uh, it's it's more or less a decision point. Like we had, it's sort of this 58K range high, market tried to break above it, no dice, uh, broke down, uh, arguably broke market structure, depending on, depending on how you define it. And now we're back at the retest level, at least on a weekly basis, um, you know, retraced the final leg down, if you will. When I look at these weekly range extremes, but sort of by definition, at least for me in my system, uh, the extremes are not where I get comfortable or complacent or whatever uh, in terms of volatility. These decision points is, you know, they are where I want to focus on the market more than anything. And I suppose the, the cursory um, summary of that would be any high time frame strength, ideally weekly close uh, through 58k or thereabouts just like you'll you'll know strength when you see it on this weekly candle mm. uh, i think um lights out for bears at that point i expect a big breakout in bitcoin and to, for that to actually catch up and make up for a lot of uh, ethereum ground so that'd be bitcoin up if btc down um if if that weekly close happens that way uh, but i agree with you like right into this area um i think kind of consolidation is the last thing i have on my mind when it comes to decision points you know it's hard to it's hard to believe it's been this many weeks with <laughs> hardly a new high right two three four five six seven eight nine ten, eleven weeks yeah uh like since we really made the impulse high like we made two garbage higher highs um <laughs> But those were just pure, pure weakness. And February 15th was quite a while ago now. It's, and it's hard for me to put in my head that, that, that it's gone that fast. Um, at the same time, you talk about like when alt season, yet if you look at Bitcoin dominance, I know it's not perfect, yada, 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 who cares? <laughs> this is definitely alt season level dominance. You know, if like, you want to share anything, by the way, feel free to natively. Yeah, I got to figure out how to do that. Where, yeah, no worries. I'll bring it up if you want in the meantime. Yeah, I think I can uh, present a window. Oh boy, can't share my screen. An error occurred. Uh, That's market cap dominance. Yeah, I'm just looking at uh, btc.d on TradingView. Yeah, 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 I think I got it. Um, and it's like, that's just a total meltdown, you know? And I yes. think this thing's flawed. It's got stable coins built into it maybe and some other stuff like that, but Whatever. The point is, at the friggin' January 1st, it was around 72. Today, mm -hmm. it's 49. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, if you haven't made money in alt in that time period, I'm sorry, but you're not going to make it. You know? Like, that's a, 
a 30% drop in dominance. Yeah. And there is nothing that would surprise me about going back up and retesting the prior levels from August that it uh, broke down to. So mm -hmm. like when DeFi, when DeFi summer ended, Bitcoin dominance stopped tanking and went from 58 to 72. Well, if it yeah. went back to like, and hit that as a ceiling, that's a 16, 17% gain in dominance now. Um, yeah. That's the type of thing that could come from Bitcoin pushing up on this new weekly, stopping the consolidation, continuing the trend, goes to like 80K while all our other stuff stays flat. Um, I think that could catch quite a few of us offsides, including myself, especially when I'm like slamming the ETH bullhorn constantly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, uh, Yeah, the underexposed to Bitcoin meme is like a great meme, but it's also very real a lot of the time, uh, especially when we see the impact that those really big corporate purchases have had just on Bitcoin generally. I know, I know Tesla is like the outlier in that regard. I think even, you know, Cobain made the same point, you know, some billionaire or corporation comes in, buys a ton and ETH BTC can, can, can just get slammed, uh, especially if Bitcoin then looks like a relative, in relative terms, like a more attractive play, or it's got that kind of catch up play plus a catalyst uh, to go with it. That certainly paves the way for um, dominance to move, I think, in the way you described. Yeah. And I wonder how many of us are accounting for the potential catalyst. Um, but you, you, you add a catalyst to this, to this recovery that it's had. Right. Uh, I mean, that could be something. One of my favorite trades, it obviously doesn't work all the time. Uh, I'm, your, your, your Google meet won't let me share screens. So I apologize for that. No, that's very rude. Um, <laughs> but I'm just looking at Bitcoin, um, with a 20 day moving average on it. Mm -hmm. And the, <laughs> in a way I'm kind of thrilled if you end up putting a moving average on a crypto. No, of chart. course, of course. <laughs> It's like a personal accomplishment. I'm getting credit with <laughs> a moving average on his chart. Um, but I like to use it just as a theme, right, of uh, kind of recapturing the trend. Did you uh, say 20 daily? Sorry. Yeah, 20 day. It's also the mid-mand of Bollinger Bands, uh, the mid middle line of Bollinger Bands. Sure, so it's sure. kind of a dual, a dually interesting level. Um, so you can see it doesn't always work, but sometimes like it'll flip that line, use it as support and off you go historically, mm -hmm. like that one on the left of your screen in February is kind of like the premier type of example. It fails it. Uh, and then like, as it recaptures, it's like, you know, a really nice impulse and you're able to get in on that type of, uh, low, you know, fast moving average before it's made new highs. So you're not wait, you're not in because of the Tesla candle, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. Where you're hella late to that trend. And then you're just like getting the slow chuggery stuff. Um, mm -hmm. so yeah, it's, uh, it's sitting right at that line. That's my favorite, like fast moving average type of spot. Um, if Josh were on here, he would be talking about like TK recrosses on the cloud that kind mm -hmm. of thing where you go from like ambiguous bullishness to, but you know, like close your lungs to reopen your lungs. Sure. I think he said in 2017, it only happened four times and ever, it was a hundred percent hit rate on like just mega moves off of it. Um, and it's trying to decide that right now. So Josh is traveling. The duck is out. Um, that's what Josh would say. <laughs> um, <laughs> a bit too early for eulogies, but yeah, no, I, I agree. I'm not sure what the duck would say. Uh, it, I guess his like he puts a lot of weight, understandably, on um, this weekly uh, breakdown in Bitcoin. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I think the, the lower low close type of deal, I think his charts are somewhere on Twitter as well. Uh, I'm sure uh, being the reasonable man that he is, um, he'd be similar conclusion. Uh, this is resistance. <laughs> well, buy, that's one way. He'd be like, it, why are sure. you buying here, you idiot? <laughs> like this is yeah, it'd be something. I mean, I hate to speak for people, obviously, but I, th- I think his version of events, which is reasonable, given I've got similar type of areas, is that this is resistance, fit close above it on the weekly. Uh, the, the bears have nothing left, and it's a full send. And that full send would likely recapture um, some dominance and other things, whatever they may be. Uh, I, I, sh- I share that unease to some extent in that the weekly sort of technically bounced, quote-unquote, in the middle of nowhere, uh, which at times can be uncomfortable, but, you know, if if someone wants to come in and buy up this thing and break break every level, I'm not exactly going to complain, you know. Yeah, you did a uh, one of those two minute Twitter videos um, with the level at 45, with the level at 51, and I was, yeah. like, I was like, "Cred, how freaking rude of you to point all the way down there at 45." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 45. Which is the thing is like, I spent 10 seconds in that video saying, "Look, if it comes back to this pre breakout range from December or the start of the year, uh, for any reason, Black Swan, whatever, j- just buy it and think later." And then I spent the rest of the time talking about this range and then as you can imagine all the comments <laughs> started complaining about oh why are you targeting 38 bull markets only pull back this much that much etc etc certainly certainly a weird um weird way to interpret that but yeah i think i think it's reasonable to look at this in the weekly time frame and say look we're, we're still within this range of this consolidation right and and the good trades or at least the trades which signal a break from the range tend to happen um at the extremes, or the clear signals tend to happen at the extremes, probably a better way of putting it. Whereas one extreme, it's the top at around 58K, 59K, whatever. Whereas the other extreme, uh, it's in the four, sort of mid, mid 40s. Okay, where's price right now? Well, it's at the upper extreme and hasn't completely blasted it yet. If it blasts through it, great. We have like, I expect like three or four candles that look like this to follow through. Uh, and there's really not much to be missed in that regard. Like, I don't really believe in being that late in bull markets, like probabilistically, the chances that you're late versus just hopping onto a trend versus being sidelined. I quite like those odds, uh, especially when the structure supports it. Um, So I'm someone who doesn't mind paying up for confirmation if I think that what's left in terms of the follow through is significant. I mean, the clearest example of that was a 6K breakdown, right? Uh, A lot of our good friends um, lost a lot of Bitcoin as well as hope uh, and health markers trying to buy the dip when 6K broke down, uh, and that was obviously a bit of a, a difficult and tumultuous affair. Whereas the much easier trade was actually buying the reclaim of 6K and then watching price teleport for everything kind of in a straight line, right? There's kind of time ca- time constraints that come into it. There are mental capital constraints, which also play a part. Like how, even if I get this bottom long, how long can I realistically hold on to it? And also what's the likelihood that I sell it as soon as it gets to the first kind of interesting area, you know? The lowest entry isn't necessarily the best entry. And that's kind of my expectation here. I'd rather get like a, oh my God, it's so obviously bullish, blast through everything type of entry, and then ride the three, four candles that follow rather than buy the range high, hoping that um, it works out. You know, that's at least my take. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I just have a hard time risking off in this market. Yeah, I understand that. And I, what, what, what you brought up in that video is basically, if it doesn't get all the way down here, then you wait till it re- reclaims 51, all the way down here being 45. Wait till yeah. it reclaims like 51.3 or whatever that close was. And then you have that range from 51 to 55, 56. Yes. Uh, but that trade was like way less interesting because uh, like your total, like that's like your, you know, swing trade type of thing that happened. Yes. It ended up happening in two days. 
Um, and then it kind of leaves you again in no man's land between 56 and 58, 58, yes. like you said, who cares if you missed anything in that realm? <laughs> I agree. Um, as long as you didn't get liquidated on that drop, I think you outperformed most crypto futures trading participants, right? Yeah. Looking just at open interest, that, I mean, those people have been gone for a while. And then, and, you know, it's one of the more interesting things. If you, if you just look at um, Coinalyze's average um, open interest, like the leverage market's been flat ever since this weekend drop. You know, Ben Askren fell, open interest fell, and neither have recovered, seemingly. Uh, at the time of, at the time of this live stream at least and even you know we're kind of we've retraced most of this dump but you can see open interest hasn't even come close to where it was like the, the leverage market you know the the future side of things is still wrecked um which is also why you know I'm, i i see that some people are pointing out that some longs are starting to get back into the market funding and predicting funding is like starting to pick up i think at these levels of open interest that's far less kind of scary for me uh, than it would be Otherwise, I'm not too concerned. I didn't see anything kind of bearish or scary in the futures side of things, especially looking at like who's left. Um, you know, it's it's a bit of a it's a bit of a mass grave situation. I don't know what your thoughts are. Yeah, I don't know what the actual open interest trend looks like. Um, I haven't heard any anything saying like funding is so awful that uh, you know like be cautious of your longs. <laughs> right. Um, but like. A combination of high open interest, high uh, funding, longs having to pay for the privilege. If all that were occurring at the same time, you're at like major resistance or overextension or something. I don't. It doesn't seem like we're in yeah. that regard. Like Just, fifteen billion dollars worth of interest got open interest got liquidated. I mean, that's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So I think that essentially gives permission to to move up and and you know even break out of a. Uh, 12 week consolidation um, for sure and that's always sexy yeah i mean i think that if anything someone like me who's been bullish on eth that, that should be my warning potential warning sign um but it's hard to like it's hard to just look at eth and be bearish <laughs> yeah uh because it's just like uber chad candles and it's just sitting almost at 28 uh 2800 uh, one, two, three, four, five weeks in a row positive with an impulse week after three weeks that were like a little more choppy positive. Yeah, that's really impressive. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think that it's very, very hard to be bearish there. <laughs> and that was in the face of market wide weakness as well. Like if you were to yeah. look, look in this chart in isolation, there's no way you, you predict a 30% Bitcoin pullback. Right, that's the outrageous thing. You look at these right. weekly candles, and then you have to come to terms that we had like a sort of bull market, thirty percent scary-looking pullback uh, in the course of what we see in front of us, which just seems so unlikely given there's like almost no evidence of weakness there, um, which is which is really impressive. Um, I think there still might be a relative play left. Um, one of the things I sort of tweeted in passing, which was long Ethereum when Bitcoin stops looking like crap. Yeah, uh, and I still think that's a look. I'm not going to ignore the flows. Right, when the market looked on the brink. Um, money was buying ETH, you know, money talks when it comes to these sorts of things. So I can see a world in which, yes, uh, Bitcoin breaks out, um, dominance goes up, ETH BTC down for a bit, but in terms of the continuation of the uptrend generally, uh, I can still see, apart from that short-term rotation, uh, ETH continue to uh, outperform, at least if uh, the indications that we've had over the past couple of weeks mean anything. I mean, the basic logic being, uh, if this is what it looks like when the market's weak, imagine what it looks like when the market's like 
unabashedly strong, you know? Yeah, I think it looks like uh, potentially plowing through 0.055. Can you pull up the ETH BTC chart? Certainly. Um, because this has been my narrative since ETH 0.03 or whatever, you know, whatever it was. And it's given yeah, like, yeah. lots of opportunities to be nervous about it. Um, but like, I just basically believe that it's going to pound into that line. And actually, I think it's going to go through it. I think that's likely, yeah. Um, and it leaves me looking for that 0.08 target, which was kind of that third higher, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. third lower high from the start of the bear market. Uh, so that's my real hopium bull market target is <laughs> 0.08-whatever. Um, mm -hmm. That's like significant dollar levels for ETH. Oh, for sure. Um, I don't even know what that percent move is from here, uh, but I imagine that's like 4 or 5K. Uh, something yeah. like that. Yeah, I mean it's seven, just seven, just over seventy percent in ETH BTC terms. So yeah, so that's and that's like BTC might be going up, and ETH does that. That's your like parabolic blow off on ETH yeah. on a local on a local basis, and then maybe ETH consolidates for a really long time or starts a bear market. I don't know. <laughs> probably, <laughs> probably consolidates. Um, yeah, ETH BTC looks insane. Um, that's that's sort of it. Uh, my my whole idea was premised on this weekly range uh, and and the the additional sort of point was that the market rarely fakes out twice right. so if this is our multi multi-year range and this was kind of the obvious attempt to break out which failed if the market then closes above that same level which has already had a fake out again yep. the, the likelihood of a double fake out is is in my experience when it comes to good levels is incredibly low you normally get one and if that's not enough to send the market lower like if it comes if it closes above it like double fake outs exceptionally rare it's probably going to full send and that's that's kind of been the case uh, and it's been you know it's all the breakout levels have been holding it's what you want to see in a um in a strong trend and again the context is really important right this is like a multi-year consolidation in eth btc um i mean i could superimpose some arbitrary diagonal type of thing but i think it's important with big moves not to lose sight of uh the context or the bigger picture right if this is a multi-year breakout you don't sell it for like a 10 20 percent move uh, unless you're really wrong um so yeah i don't think given that all those circumstances trading back within this range is at all unreasonable in fact i don't see much much in the way uh, in terms of resistance at least yeah uh i think kobe was telling me the flippings around 0.17 or something like that at mm -hmm. current levels um if you think the flippening is inevitable then actually like the ETH BTC trade has a really, really long way to go. <laughs> um, which would be, ah, uh, gosh, like this, the, the ETH path. And I want your thoughts on this. Like, sure. I've heard some good compelling arguments basically saying that ETH's current path is very similar in a pure price perspective. I think it was Raul mm -hmm. Paul talking about this to like what Bitcoin's was in 2017. So it gets mm -hmm. to, it gets to four to five k, and like the people that have been in since the bear market, uh, the bottom of the bear market are like, Phew, this is awesome, I'm taking some off the table, and they right. just cannot comprehend the Bitcoin Bitcoin move to twenty k. And interestingly, the prior all time high of fourteen hundred, very close to Bitcoin's prior all time high from the twenty thirteen cycle at thirteen uh, hundred or whatever. Um, all of the mental models are very similar with very similar dollar amounts throw the market cap stuff out the window, just look at the price action. That, mm -hmm. that leaves this potential for like the long tenure blow off into the end of the year for ETH really having significantly more upside in my mind, um, which can result in uh, some kind of 
temporary flippening. Um, so like I'm trying to give myself this outside potential of an ETH, <laughs> ETH flippening at the end of the year and like blasting into 15, 20K levels. Um, I know that sounds absurd, but I'm trying not to ignore that possibility. Right. Yeah. That, I mean, that's that's reasonable, right? In terms of not ignoring the possibility, makes sense. Uh, we, we, we've seen uh, weirder stuff, not, not in the purely in a flipping perspective, but just in terms of what happens at the peak uh, when bull markets approach their peak or some, you know, we get to the cr really crazy portions because that's the that's the paradox of how how bull market, at least crypto bull markets typically come to an end, right? The, the parabolic phase is the most profitable, uh, but it also tends to be the shortest and therefore the most volatile and therefore also the one where you probably keep the least uh, of all your gains, right? You become super rich and super poor all within the space of a few weekly candles. And if you hold on to any of it, you're a legend. Yeah. Um, Somebody in the in the chat said, it sounds absurd, but crypto is absurd. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Yeah, that's good. I mean, that's good. No, I certainly those, wouldn't roll it out. Uh, I'm not just a, like holding thirty cents right now. So. Oh man, that, that chart. Yeah, I mean, I'm not. A, I'm not anything maximalist. I, I just look at what what's being bid by people who are smarter than me and have more money, and I'm not afraid to uh, deploy it. I, so I, if, if it goes I, in that so, direction, excuse me, sir, but I refuse to acknowledge that someone bidding doge is smarter than me right <laughs> <laughs> yeah with, with doge i mean maybe fair enough you do start to get in some uncomfortable truths in terms of holding dogecoin versus holding bitcoin right looking at doge btc etc etc uh, but especially well on the eth side of things like if, if this if that's trend continuation and ETH btc just keeps going uh, I'm, I'm 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 in no position to to ignore that right uh, and i generally think um the way i like to structure spot holdings a lot of the time is Bitcoin and ETH as go-to blue chips, whatever. But then I'll also look at like higher beta type of stuff to hold as well, um, just for some spice or outperformance in relative, you know, in altcoin windows or if correlations get weird, etc. So for me, for example, uh, for quite a long time, for a lot of when FTT was mooning, I was holding close to zero Bitcoin and I was basically all in FTT. Um, because when FTT would go up, when Bitcoin would go up, FTT would go up more. And then it would also dump less than Bitcoin and it would go down. It was like a really great relationship. So I think if you can find <laughs> something like that, something which can mirror a so-called blue chip and it's liquid and you know it's going to stick around, that uh, you know, I think, I think that's pretty good um, bull market plays. So interesting one on the correlation side of things, actually Solana. Last I checked, or at least I saw this bit of data posted on Twitter, it's inversely correlated with ETH, but only on down days, mm. right? Which is which is super interesting. Reminds me of the whole. Do you remember XRP pumping when the whole market was dying? Yeah. Just just so you know, the the, the good old garlic house attention to to XRP sort of play. Uh, it sort of reminds me of that, right? If ETH is having a bad day, Solana will typically be up. So yeah, uh, it's a very long winded answer, but I think like bull my my bull market continuation bags in terms of higher caps, Bitcoin, ETH, FTT, Sol. BNB in brackets, um, and then USD margined shitcoins to entertain in the interim. As somebody who likes to focus on price action, um, do you pay much attention to like where does all this stack up in market cap and uh, like relative potential for outperformance due to purely due to where like where it is on the list? 
Or I do, but then stuff like Dogecoin happens. <laughs> yeah. And, it's like and I'm kind of like, yeah, I think you end up being a bit of a middle bell curve type of person uh, uh, in that well regard. That. Yeah. Like you either have just no understanding of sort of market cap, relative value, etc., and you just play the 50 IQ. I like the coin and it's going up <laughs> and you just ride a trend beyond any reasonable market cap. Or you're on the 150 IQ where maybe you've got some like extended projections or some sort of model which allow for pretty high market caps and valuations um, and for you to ride out those overextensions. I really think if you try to ground yourself, um, if the market's risk on, you end up in the not going to make it uh, yeah. portion of the bell curve. I, I don't got, know what you think. I've got a long-term rental with a king-size bed in the middle of the bell curve. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> trying to get out of that out of that uh, location. And I, I'd like to move to the right, but I feel like the uh, you know from a percentage uh, chance, like I'm, I'm more likely to make it if I move to the left, you know? <laughs> um, yeah. I feel like I'm closer to the left than to the right as well. It's like, super, so you... it's super ambitious to try to move to the right side of that curve. Right. Yeah. Whereas, like, you got to follow the path of least resistance, right? If I'm yeah, already like right. one foot into the uh, 50 IQ, uh, portion, uh, you know, crossing over can't be that difficult. Brandon in your chat says, I mean, these market cats right now are just wild. Are they? That's my question. That's the thing, relative to what, right? Um, yeah. it, it's the old crypto meme that it'll go higher than you think, it'll go lower than you think as well, it'll consolidate for longer, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. Uh, I don't think if you're going, at least if you think the market's going to blow off in a similar fashion than it has in previous cycles, uh, I think abandoning reasonableness is al almost a prerequisite if you want to get involved and try to try to make money on the final leg, because that's when everything becomes ungrounded and crazy etc so so it's almost a weird thing for me like how unreasonable i'm willing to be depends on how the market looks right mm -hmm. so if the market's looking bearish i'll kind of look at these valuations market caps etc and think right maybe it makes sense to be defensive and you know the money in the market seems to agree but then if the market's really bullish despite all of these allegedly high valuations then why should i care right if, if, if people want to buy them um and the market's liquid and there's an appetite for continuation. Uh, I'm not going to be the, you know, midwit stand, standing in the way of that. I'm typically uh, like, I've been the midwit most of the time and it, <laughs> it's not a profitable place to be, you know, no. like you're just like constantly trying to say like, I don't think I'm wrong. You know, just, it just timed it wrong. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Like, I just happen to miss the gains along the way. Um, <laughs> I have a, a question for you in terms of a, a, a coin where I took a position today and I want you to tell me like grade, grade disposition. <laughs> Go on. Uh, Sushi USDT, like Ooh. I keep looking at this chart over and over again, like it's just garbage. Ever since it broke down, this is where I got lucky. Like I was, I looked at it from a relative potential standpoint at the mm -hmm. end, like March 20th ish. And as soon as it broke down, I got out, like it was like, nope. And then I just been unwilling to play it. Uh, yeah. never got to its 200 day moving average versus BTC, but it did play like to the wick off of the January levels versus BTC. Okay. Yeah. But versus the dollar, it's like one of these, I don't even know what to think of it type of patterns. Like it looks like a massive distribution pattern since the beginning of February <laughs> with a fake breakout and then a breakdown in April. And now it's on this potential reclaim. And like I, I punted on this partially because it's hyper liquid. Uh, so yeah, the ability yeah, to get sure. out is really good. What do you think about a setup like this? Do you think this is too, is this too middle curve or what? Um, 
so the way I like to pay attention, I mean, we, we followed Sushi a ton for technical roundup, like in the newsletter or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and the way I tend to approach these things is while their behavior or while its behavior is like predictable and repeating, you want to ride that trend. Mm -hmm. As soon as it shows that fundamental shift in behavior, uh, it's probably, it immediately becomes less attractive until such a time that it resumes that preceding and, um, almost choreographed behavior, right? So in this case, you can kind of clearly see the difference between the markup phase and pretty much what it's done since then, right? Uh, so I want to be in the market. I mean, I know it sounds obvious, but it looks more like this. And then as soon as it starts doing that, that's materially different enough to what it was for me to wait for evidence of the left side to emerge rather than trying to time um, the trend break. That's why generally I'm not, I'm not that averse in bull markets to, to buying all-time high breakouts because um, yeah. if you're right you'll be right quickly and also your invalidation is pretty close whereas if you're entering during the course of this chop i mean how do you know whether again as you mentioned is it a distribution how long is it going to range for is it if it's going to range for what if it is a bearish retest like i think they're just i like playing the game on easy mode um where possible and I don't, I don't think a bull market offers a shortage of easy mode opportunities, at least when it comes to identifying charts. So for me, there would need to be a really good, uh, some sort of underlying reason or compelling narrative to get involved in a chart, which just kind of isn't trending, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, for, I mean, the BTC pair for me kind of just broke down and hasn't done much uh, since then. So on the weekly time frame, it had its first lower, lower low close than it has in a while. And it kind of nothing has happened since then. Um, so that's whatever. It's, I mean, it's not bullish. It, it kind of broke down and it's stuck. That's fine. Uh, the USD pair, I think it's safe to say it kind of stopped trending on the daily timeframe. Um, the price action we have now is pretty different from the um, DeFi friendly period of time we had. But even on the weekly timeframe, if we look at Something I like to look at when it comes to limited candles and higher timeframes and altcoins is higher high closes or lower low closes. You tend to get some pretty decent levels, even if you don't have like wide sweeping horizontal levels. So in this case, we had the lower low close through wherever this is. I should probably just add the level itself. Uh, yeah, around whatever, under 15 bucks. And that's kind of where we're back to retest. I mean, so this is the underside of resistance for me, just from a purely yeah. TA point of view. If it wants to reclaim that, I think that's probably good to go. You could be conservative and just say you take the whole uh, pre-breakout range, uh, 15 to 17, which kind of looks more reasonable uh, on the intraday timeframe and to say, oh, sorry, on the, on the daily timeframe and to say, look, break out from this range high, make a higher high, give me some something impulsive, and then I'll get involved and see if there's continuation. But otherwise, as you mentioned, it's kind of just gone sideways since then, and it's your your guess is as good as mine. Whether it's some sort of bigger distribution or chop reaccumulation, whatever, um, it sort of reminds me of it's it's almost the inverse of those 2017. Would you buy this charts where stuff <laughs> just went sideways and down? And my answer was always, well, why why wouldn't I wait for some sort of impulse or sign of strength or something to be the trigger uh, to distinguish it from the millions of charts which are just moving sideways, right? Yeah, and I think it's kind of reasonable to set a similar standard for altcoins a lot of the time like hey the market's bullish altcoins are flying lots of them are just trending up or making higher highs whatever if you're going to get involved in something it's not exactly a tall order to tell them to break market structure or reclaim something um if rather you, if you hit the one hour or the four hour on this this is what was kind of justifying my trade because i agree it's like sitting here at a quasi 
uh, resistance, but I liked, mm -hmm. I liked the way this was kind of shaping up and consolidating and using these lower time frames to try to help anticipate whether like in these DeFi products, even the really liquid ones, it's like something like this can go from $14.50, $15 to $17 or $18 in no time. That's yes. a pretty nice move and a pretty nice buffer for the rest of your trade. Um, How does Uni look? Have you have you looked at that relative? Oh gosh, the way it like rounds the top on Uni, I really struggle to find entries. Um, mm -hmm. And sushi, I have as well recently because of that everything you just described. And I I resisted trying to buy a bottom or like anticipating getting ahead of the bottom that kind of thing like at the ten eleven dollar level, but mm -hmm. I do think it's bottomed on sushi. And now it's like here's this consolidation before it actually properly breaks out. That's what kind of justified it with that mid time frame consolidation. The uni one though, like the way it just it it, it reminds me of like up only markets in the S and P. Like it just right. it just rounds and rounds and rounds and grinds and it just looks so toppy and then it just impulses up. Um, and your I guess it is a daily chart, but like that looked very bad five days ago. Oh, it did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, <laughs> I totally relate to that. Like when generally speaking, when a market falls back below its breakout levels you immediately feel uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And as you mentioned with the S&P, you end up being confronted by this chart where you keep getting higher highs, mm -hmm. but the breakouts don't hold. Instead, it Suck. dips, but it makes a lower low in doing so, right? <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of this eternal, I don't know, sort of delayed ascending triangle, whatever type of thing, where if you trade the breakout, you're not going to have a good time. Your only option is to anticipate the higher low but when you're trading altcoins i think a lot of the time trading the breakout or at least post breakout strength is what you want to see right at least i do like if an altcoin breaks out and then falls back below its breakout level that's like reason to be suspicious nine times out of ten right mm -hmm. like something's gone wrong because a lot of the time they just keep ripping whereas uni as you as, as you mentioned it's this s esque almost paradox where if you trade the breakout you only have fun for a while uh, but then if, if other altcoins just keep going up after this point versus you having to just, gr you know, this upwards grind, I, I can understand the uh, appeal of other stuff, although I'm not sure if sushi is the answer <laughs> for me personally, at least, you know? Yeah, I mean, part of what I run into is even fully diluted sushi's 3.6 billion and Uniswap's 40 billion, uh, 40 yeah. billion. And I don't know, like, is, is Uniswap worth that much more? That's more than a 10X uh, yeah. over sushi. I don't know that Uniswap's more than 10x over Sushi. Certainly, from a token value accrual, the way it f the way it sends fees back to token holders, Uniswap doesn't do any of those things. Like Uniswap is a governance token and has a much more um, potentially unfriendly regulatory environment for like feeding protocol fees back to token holders. And I know this is all like. 100 IQ thinking again, <laughs> but I'm like, I, I don't know. Like I see, I see the way like sushi holders end up earning, earning fees from, from people participating in sushi. I also see sushi like expanding what they want to be to where like they want to take on Ave as well. And they have like all, mm -hmm. these, all these things in addition to being an AMM. Um, and they'll probably figure out a way to like mimic some of the stuff that uni 3.0 does. So I'm introducing fundamentals. I know, uh, in addition to the price, but I have a hard time buying that like roundy top weak breakout uni stuff yeah, when, I understand it's, that. when it's the $40 billion protocol, when I can buy the $4 billion protocol that looks like it has a chance to do much more. And like, if you blink and wake up one day and <laughs> sushi's 8 billion instead of 4 billion, who cares? 
But if uni is 80 billion instead of 40 billion, like everybody's talking about that. You know what I mean? Yeah. It just seems like the path of least resistance is for sushi to play some catch up there. I think the catch up plays uh, are often superior when an entire sector is bid. Yeah. So, for example, what, what we tend to see is value accrual gets centralized when there's like the winners rise to the top if the market's not as strong as before, right? Like if capital rotates out of DeFi towards something else, then whereas in the past, maybe five of out of the five main DEX coins will have been going up, maybe two of them do, right? Or maybe one of them does. Um, so I think a lot of the reasoning when it comes to relative value plays, um, they're right, but they're, they tend to be mistimed. Um, so I think the, the logic in terms of higher beta or catch up, it's got more to capture, et cetera. I really like those types of arguments, but for me, the market conditions more broadly need to be facilitative of that, right? The, the hot, um, you know, the hot ball of money needs to be in a specific sector for me to then have that type, employ that type of reasoning and say, well, look, this has got to go somewhere. Uh, is, are they going to buy the higher cap, which trades technically like crap, et cetera, or is you know the, the sort of uni sushi contrast going on there? My, my difficulties arise if the entire sector doesn't look bid, or there are clear winners and losers starting to emerge, or capital just isn't, you know, the, the cream rises to the top, if you will. Mm -hmm. I think those catch-up plays generally become less attractive, and the money just kind of sticks to strength. Uh, yeah. But if the ETH continuation DeFi summer argument. Um, has follow through, yeah, that, that's when I think those types of relative value plays are, are, are really, really strong. Yeah, but it, it tends to be a value trap or like a relative value trap. Um, <laughs> Curve is one where I also have gotten kind of suckered into this where- USD or? Yeah, Curve, uh, CRV, USD is good. But yeah. um, this was like anticipate breakout, get breakout, breakout fails, then break, mm -hmm. break down is not even that severe. Now it's right yeah. back where it started. Except yeah. for now you've been pissing about for a couple of weeks, like while other stuff could have done things, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Now, now I get interested in these trades and I'm like, okay, am I supposed to be back in this now? <laughs> you know what I mean, like, or am I just gonna go through the same uh, like self mutilation process again of like not making any money, buying at resistance, anticipating the breakout or whatever. Um, I've seen curve come up a lot in a lot in, in these, DeFi catch-up or just DeFi rotational arguments. Um, I mean, from purely, I mean, this is consolidating, right? Yes. It's moving sideways um, and it's up at its range high. I think interestingly enough, we can borrow from our ETH BTC analysis and make the same argument. Like you've got a really big level. The As you mentioned, the market poked above it and the sell-off wasn't that crazy, right? right. Like it, it was fine. It's It didn't break anything. It didn't, like feel, Bitcoin, very, it didn't feel very good having exposure. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine from a you know high to low, et cetera. But structurally speaking, like worse damage has been seen, right? Yeah. I think we can we can borrow ETH BTC and say, when you have one breakout above a good level, uh, the second one is far less likely to be a breakout. So that lands at around three and a half bucks or thereabouts. I think if you get daily or weekly, whatever, anything that really starts coming close to this so-called fake out high, uh, that'll probably get smoked if the market's bid. And then really you just get to pick round numbers, which is always That's fun, where you should right? go. 4.5, yeah, 5, five, five dollars, six, yeah. six, yeah, et cetera. That would be my um, sort of uh, roadmap for that, if you will. But I totally see the argument for positioning for the impulses uh, in a lot of this um, DeFi stuff is it's just not a setup that I've I've managed to make work for me. So I always have to be the the midwit, either trading at the level or the consolidation after the level's broken. That well, tends to be where I step in. 
Yeah. And like, meanwhile, you're like trying to force it on these. Um, and then you look at Solana or something and it's like, <laughs> it's up only, you know, like it's, yes. it's all you get, uh, is just number go up all the time. Um, and like what you try, you try to decide where's that stop. And you know, like somebody like me is like, this is the top. Don't worry. This is the top. <laughs> I mean, you with your Solana photo shoot, um, selling the, the selling pressure that introduced the market seemed to be unprecedented. So that, 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 that was pretty yeah, cool. I mean, yeah. I mean, I look, this candle, I convinced like tens of people to take profits. <laughs> yeah. Your market impact. I saw you in the open interest. I just knew it was the ledger, <laughs> the ledger take profit. But I mean, the, the hilarious part is this, this candle was actually, I think on the Bitcoin nuke day or like on a yeah. big red day for the market. This is what Solana looked like. Uh -huh. Yeah. I mean that, that, that's really crazy. Um, also just a pro tip for new entrants or maybe experienced entrants in the market, no matter what you do, don't turn off your log and go back to linear because suddenly everything seems really far away. So don't do that. <laughs> stick, stick to log and things are, if you, you know, if materially you want, more reasonable. If you want to stay on the very profitable 50 IQ side, never turn on linear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Think, things just start to look um, slightly different. But yeah, with, with Sol, you know what? Like it reminds me of, I, you know, I, I probably shouldn't say it because it, it starts, it sounds terrible out of context, but you know, XVG, right? <laughs> you oh, remember wow. Verge. Wow. Yeah, I know it sounds bad, but least, the whole point is Solana has a better fundamental <laughs> justification. Than, uh, well, you're saying Solana is fundamentally better than Dogecoin Dark. I'm not sure yeah. I'd need to get some, <laughs> some in-depth analysis, but the thing is people got into Verge early, right? And it mega mooned and they sold it like a, at a two X, right? And on the chart at the time, relative to what happened, the move looked, looked enormous. But then if you look at it from when the bull market topped out, those little two to three X's seemed completely inconsequential uh, in, in contrast of, you know, where the market went and wh where, the where the trend ended up. So I think with a lot of these charts, the, the TA, is, TA is almost secondary. Um, you've got short-term trends to focus on, but just generally speaking, if, if you are correct that this is at the inception point of some future high cap, et cetera, um, recency bias can be your your biggest enemy when it comes to these sorts of things you know yeah because they can just continue to move you're like i'm not buying your 10x and then it becomes a 40x and it's exactly like, yeah. this thing 4x while my crap just chopped sideways They're like that hurts you know? <laughs> like when you look at what solana's done and it's like i could have just said you know ooh, samcoin good and like bought it <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, and now I'm multiples more wealthier than I was like trying to say like, no, nah, I think this has moved a little bit too much since it was a dollar 50 and now it's 15. <laughs> um, and you know, RIP me, uh, and no, I know that we've, we've been through this where we've seen stuff pull 50 X's and a hundred X's and we're still like hesitant at the 10 X. Is this just like, um, is this just kind of PTSD from a, watching a bear market, like continue to like, destroy people trying to play these trends yeah i think i think that's a large part of it um the, the multipliers are still still uncomfortable especially when you look at bitcoin's own multiplier from march i mean that's the thing a lot of our, our natural reference point for a lot of people is still march right whenever we try to get like a big um overview or reminder of where the you know where we've come from a kind of origin story we still go back to march which in itself is a really illogical and absurd place to go because it's like a complete exchange-wide global liquidity crisis, everything's broken, BitMEX, DDoS, et cetera. Like that shouldn't be, <laughs> that shouldn't be your reference point for figuring, you know, contrasting to where the market is now. But it is because that, that day was so fateful for many. Um,
do you ever wonder like what would the market look like today if that didn't happen like just, if march didn't happen or the specific or, or yeah, which which part yeah, of it if mark like if march didn't happen is that too is that too uh hypothetical of a question like not just not just not just mark like not just march and bitcoin but like the covid scare like people oh calling, gosh people were calling for like secular bear markets anyway you know what i mean like mm -hmm. covid was just a trigger for it but then like what resulted from that was not like a natural contraction in the in the market it was a massive stimulus from every single government and like everybody goes home and day trades like it was this perfect storm <laughs> of like a enormous influx of money into markets that I think like really set the stage for like everything to number go up only. Yeah. Um, and I, I really wonder like, would we still be kind of languishing in a sub 20 K consolidation <laughs> if COVID didn't happen? Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's, a, it's an interesting question. Um, thing is at the time, cause I, I remember some, some of the analysis and whatever else, like market structure was looking rather unfortunate for Bitcoin um before the before the big crash like we were still trading within this like we had the 6k reclaim which is awesome right we all, we all like that um but we were still within this range here which wasn't doing anyone a ton of favors no it um, just got chopped up yeah you just got chopped up and you just had lower highs going on lower highs lower lows like really not much else and i remember specifically on this high here there were a lot of like reasonable calls for price to pull back to sort of maybe this range low here at whatever 7k or thereabouts like yeah. there were some pretty reasonable targets treating this as they should have which was a consolidation and then obviously we just only undercut that by 50 percent. i think some cool. i think some fun, <laughs> some funds that manage money in fact um um you, can you put your chart back on <laughs> yeah certainly, certainly i've been like sharing your screen sometimes so i'm like dual screening on mine yeah um uh travis kling that was on on our show like they were talking about how they were uh to a percentage like 10 15% net short when that happened and i think mm -hmm. it was essentially anticipating like the market does need to calm down some and then it was obviously much more than that and they ended up <laughs> like not only surviving but thriving as everything melted off um i think if that was if we were not like sitting at resistance and already starting to pull back some like the the damage to the institutional money in crypto would have been even worse um yeah, that's a that's a fair conclusion. I also know Gainsey bot was short into this nuke, which, which is which <laughs> is a great thing, <laughs> which is a great thing for for Gainsey and all subscribers. You know but the thing is, the asymmetry will always be to the upside, right? Like we yeah. nuked eighty percent or whatever. It's like fifty percent in a day. But then when you're in the bull market, like an altcoin can do multiples of that in just a couple of days, right? So that's why that's why people pri like prioritize survival. Uh, it's not because they're just repeating old trading cliches but it's because if you do survive that kind of stuff and you stick around for when the market is back or when the conditions are better like even if you missed the entire drop the the scope to make it all back in one trade unless you were fully leveraged of course is yeah. you know worth sticking around for back in june 2019 i think that is actually a pretty reasonable top up there like where it looks like those were pretty painful moves up right you everybody was like done with 4k and we were up there at 12 and it did those two wicks in a row yeah um, and then consolidated forever like i was not as prepared for that impulse down um as i should have been but in hindsight the hindsight in me says like okay well that was pretty that looks pretty clearly like distribution this market just was <laughs> not ready 
But then it just continued to provide pain. That's like bear, that's total bear market price action. The dump down and then the sideways and then the nuke everybody both directions before yeah. more and then consolidating and then moving on. Like all that is like horrible sideways chop that like, that uh, people lost a lot of money in that. In that Except in Donald, that I think he's the only Except person who knows how to trade this kind of stuff. It's just just, just ridiculous, frankly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I agree in terms of not just the bigger trends, but how it moved from point A to B was yeah. was, was not very pleasant. Right, and I think that um, unless you're Don and you have like bear market superpowers. <laughs> that was actually pretty painful and yeah. and the breakdown from from covid and then infinite bid afterwards um it really mm -hmm. offered clarity <laughs> in a way mm -hmm. uh of like okay well there's a trend here you know and it like completely nuked anyone that was ill prepared and reset the market and gave it the potential to to be bullish the the it gave it an allowance to be bullish and that's what led me into that next consolidation in the summer of 2020 to be extraordinarily bullish even though it mm -hmm. you could have pointed at it and said this is just 2019's consolidation all over again um but i was like out of my mind bullish throughout that and um that's where that's where i was really able to set myself apart because it allowed me to have a mental headspace of being risk on rather than risk off and take advantage of opportunities during that consolidation. Yeah, yeah no, that, that definitely paid dividends. I remember clearly, at least for myself, two points, um, which, which cured my um, disbelief on the way up. Uh, the first was, if I remember correctly, yeah, I think it was the reclaim of 7,600, which was like my first big area that I had after the bear market nuke. So for me, this is just like a really big level. And then down here, it seemed like trading up to here was a pipe dream, right? Yeah. Um, and then the first time I, I sort of broke out, I mean, I was I bought some of this and tweeted about it. I didn't feel good about it. <laughs> uh, that was just one of those like, hey, you know, either with this all goes to zero or this is a pretty good buy, you know, or it's mm -hmm. a good buy. You know, it's either, it's either a good buy or it's a good buy. There's no, yeah. no middle, middle sort of solution there. So my first portion of disbelief was firmly cured when we started trading above 7600 and that was all with green weekly candles so i'm like okay now this isn't just like oh it's a bearish retest something else like we're starting to reclaim structure after this big event and then the other one which is a really good but painful example of like how trading high time frame levels can be a bit of a um labor of love is what now looks like the most obvious Bitcoin SR flip in history. It's this monthly level at 10.7, <laughs> right? But the thing is, I don't know if you remember, I remember it like it was yesterday, how vivid the sentiment was pretty much within these three months, right? Because if you measure this, I think the high came in at like 12K, mm -hmm. and this is the consolidation that you were talking about, yeah. and the low was at like 9,600. Uh, so you've got like a $3,000 range, which in those terms is a huge percentage wise. Meanwhile, you're waiting three months for this apparent bullish retest to do anything. And, you know, sentiment was really good up here, really shit down there. But for me, that's my, my kind of macro bullish trigger. Like the, the main um, sort of anti disbelief thing was this monthly support resistance flip. And then obviously closing above the highest close at 14K at that point, it's uh, lights out. I remember, I remember, I guess it was around 9,600 where that bottomed and I was like hyper bullish in that, <laughs> yeah. in that bottom, because I, in that same sense that you're just talking about, like, I just, I refused to acknowledge weakness, like it, the, the fake weakness, uh, that, that I, I felt at that point, like that, 
impulse down just felt like liquidity for someone to fill up and look how rough there. this looks though oh, just chart wise i mean it's, it's just really vile looks like we're really privileged nowadays aren't we yeah it looks like forex like people <laughs> like it must have been easy but like a lot of people especially you know because uh leverage degenerates tend to be leverage degenerates until they turn to zero um right like they don't necessarily make it <laughs> just because, <laughs> just because they got in before 10k or before DeFi summer or before you know alt moon this year there's a lot of disagreements and uns, you know lack of uh consensus on on what's next throughout that and it'll be mm -hmm. the same way as these things wind down you know like it'll probably be like peak bullishness at the top um you can point back to tweets of probably mine and other people's um and like saying hilariously bullish things in December 2017. <laughs> and you're like, you idiot, it just 20X, man. What's wrong with you? Yeah. Uh, but until you get your brain in that, in that landscape, it's pretty hard to imagine. Um, but there's also hubris in trying to predict it, right? Like just like exactly. my hubris with calling Solana tops. <laughs> <laughs> and even worse than hubris is, is the sort of opportunity cost, right? Being sidelined in the market, trying, trying to call the top. Uh, or do whatever, uh, especially towards the end. Again, it's that paradox, right? It's when it gets parabolic, um, that's where you'll make the most, but also likely keep the smallest amount of that. Uh, and I'm sure there's some really silly, you know, those S&P statistics like, oh, if you missed these many best days in the market, your annualized returns are really shit or something like that. Yeah, any, uh, I'm sure. Anytime, anytime you like moved partially to cash in uh, like a 401k, Fidelity and some of the Schwab and them, they'll like show you that statistic. They're like, you know, yeah, huge percentage of the returns happen on like, <laughs> these days. Are you sure you want to sell, you idiot? <laughs> and I'm, yeah. I'm like, yes, I do. This market is overvalued. Please put me in the, the safety. Put, put of me in the midwit. Dollar. Yeah. <laughs> Give me some high yield bonds, baby. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. And the thing is, even if it's like, oh, it's the top. What is it? Well, what are you, you going to do about it, right? If there is a top coming at some point. Um, you can sit there sidelining cash, but realistically, like these market conditions are still extraordinary. Uh, and they're uniquely extraordinary in present conditions because we've seen that you can have Bitcoin look like shit and still have plenty of opportunity across several different sectors um, available at the same time without even having to incur directional Bitcoin risk. Yeah. So this idea that there's like, okay, the market, whatever that means, has topped. Therefore, I will now just go away and do whatever, like... Crypto, I think, has evolved so far beyond that uh, that you, there's always something to do, you know? Unless outside uh, markets come in and, like, uh, really take us down, I feel like we're probably setting up, even if it's only a few weeks, like, you know, an unimpressive new high on Bitcoin. Um, mm -hmm. But even if it's only a few weeks, I think we're probably setting up for just hilarious turbo moves up. Um kind of across the board. That's my gut feeling. Do you think I'm insane for saying that? Like, I just don't see the setup for it not trapping you into new highs on Bitcoin at the worst case. Best case, yeah. it just goes, you know, but like worst case, I feel like it goes and makes a new high over the period of a couple of weeks and we go to like 68 or something like that. And then uh, you get at least a couple of weeks of like everything going ham, you know? Yeah, I mean, look, um, e even just purely technically or whatever, um, you need to always keep in mind, like, 
who's being presented with the setups and to what extent are they taking advantage of those setups? Like I think on the weekly time frame, uh, the, the bears got like the, the chart on a platter almost, right? Yeah. You've got a failed breakout, an ugly consolidation, a big nuke, like leverage just completely trashed, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Like if this isn't good enough for you, to sell down then kind of nothing will be right or at yeah. the very least it's, it's it's not here so that's what i always kind of stick to at least in my mind that when good bearish setups fail that's really bullish and when good bullish setups fail that's really bearish uh, i think the ball is in the bear's court at the moment at least on the weekly time frame given how the candles have been closing in terms of structure if they don't take it here the, the you know they've got no business doing anything in this range yeah. uh try again at 80k or take, whatever you know that's my view yeah take your shot bears basically Right. And it's also really hard to be kind of macro bearish when you see what ETH is doing, for example. Like, I understand the analogical argument that, you know, Bitcoin's topped, altcoins exit pump, and then we all die. <laughs> and then it's the heat death of the universe. Like, I understand that uh, chronology, but part of me just feels like it's really difficult to be bearish or risk off when you see ETH just bid up so aggressively. And when, uh, and when you see, I mean, quite frankly, like, if you see Doge go to 40 cents <laughs> and you think that that's not going to flow into like another round on, uh, on <laughs> DeFi, if, when you see BSC, like cake is $43 or whatever, you yeah. think that's not going to flow back. Like the people making this money, they're not going to just move straight to cash. They're going to just, they're going to rotate the hot ball of money. Right. Like you mentioned it. And right. if you don't think that's going to go to uh premier, uh, DeFi assets and also like way down the list stuff that people want to speculate in. I think you're wrong. I think you're it's a tough, wrong. it's a tough claim to support. Right. And the evidence doesn't seem to be there in abundance for the time being uh, on that continuation note that you mentioned, the money flowing to the blue chips, DeFi, etc. Uh, it really looks like BNB wants to play catch up. Uh, at least on an upcoming daily two-day basis. I was say, it's um, weird even calling it catch-up because it just went freaking ham at the same time. Oh, mate, time. yeah, this chart is insane. Um, but as the beneficiary of the whole uh, exchange token go up, thing is, this is the thing about BNB, right? The CZ will find, like any narrative that's active in crypto, CZ will find a way for some of that value to accrue to BNB, right? Like DeFi, NFTs, uh, with the coin direct listing, uh, exchange token type of play. That It seems that BNB has got its fingers in all the pies, right? Which is really good if you want to trade it on the long side, because if crypto is bullish, uh, there's probably some causal mechanism by which it, you know, BNB gets to benefit from that. Um, on the TA side of things, it, it kind of looks like it wants to go. Uh, even if you take the extreme of this range, on the daily time frame, just around 600. Um, you add resistance, you got a higher low, and then it's back at that level again, and doesn't look like a ton of selling pressure from, from the available evidence at the moment. I think if you get a, a full body daily close through the top of this range, um, I think this will just kind of, this kind of impulse, consolidation impulse will just look like one of these things where we are kind of here right now, and then the markup follows. How do you feel about BNB ETH? Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, good one. That's the one that I'm not sure I can do the TA on it, but like from a weekly position, I mean, it seems like this is where they need to continue the trend. Step up? Yeah, yeah. for sure. For sure. And that's like the thing, right? This... If, if you're trying to outperform ETH, like if you're trying to play altcoins and ETH looks how ETH looks, 
Um, you kind of need to look at alt ETH pairs, as you mentioned, rather than just looking at alt PTC pairs or even alt USD pairs, right? Yeah. Like if all the altcoins are going up in dollars, how do you know whether you're outperforming the market, so to speak? Well, you've got to look at um, what your benchmark is. And if it's kind of your alt season oriented approach, alt ETH is, is kind of reasonable, as you mentioned. Yeah, the first time I uh, got wrecked in a bull market was thinking my Litecoin was doing okay in 2017. <laughs> yeah. It was just like getting absolutely nuked relative to Bitcoin. Oh, mate, up in, up in USD. I don't think I'll ever forget those three words yeah. and, the, and the torturous you know, debates that came with it's them. It's an easy joke to make, but like one, there's more USD pairs than ever. There's fewer BTC pairs than ever. Yes. And then um, two, like you got a whole new group of people that don't understand those correlations. And yes. once they learn it, it'll become important um but the market will be over by then <laughs> yeah once they understand when they finally have a grip of it that's that's when they'll have to wait a few years to, to make use of that knowledge uh yeah it's just this could have a this could totally have another move the bnb eth setup mm -hmm. i just feel like from a sentiment perspective what i've seen in the bsc landscape like what's happening over there the degree of like very resonant of DeFi summer late DeFi mm -hmm. summer stuff in the ETH landscape, it seems like the 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 projects are getting worse and worse over there. Um, and it, I feel like I feel like there's at least decent potential that some of that some of those flows start to go out and it ends up kind of being distribution ish relative to ETH at least. Yeah, I mean, the market likes ETH right now, right? In the face of weakness, it was ETH that, that was bid uh, more so than anything else. And I tend to agree that a lot of these other layer ones, um, their narratives seem to be quite stretched at this point. Uh, and also, I think it was just kind of a cocktail of bad luck and bad timing for ETH when fees were high and all these other layer ones were coming, you know, no, no coincidence coming out with their own so-called innovations and ideos and other kind of weird throwback eth knockoffs like it was like the perfect storm basically right yeah. eth is expensive all this new stuff comes out all the new stuff on the new stuff is going up in value <laughs> um plus you have a ton of retail aping in as well uh, using blockchains that are affordable right tip tips on the rift i think has a pretty good uh 50 iq take here where it's like okay bsc nice run um and now uh, okay, well, you have uh, Phantom, Polygon, AVAX, Solana, and it's, mm -hmm. it's it's Solana season. Even if it's not Solana itself, like the, the the BSC stuff that mooned, the Solana stuff within the ecosystem, it's yeah. like just getting its like foundations, you know? Um, so like if you're just looking purely on a rotation basis, well, maybe it's in those other layer ones, like go explore their ecosystems. Um, even though those coins, like those layer one coins already went kind of nuts, those ecosystems yeah. are, are a bit behind and maybe that's where the rotation goes. Yeah, um, it's just a, a Russian doll of Ponzi's at that point, isn't it? It's <laughs> like you open it up on a slightly smaller Ponzi, but part of the original one, very fitting. I don't know, I, I could honestly see if, if, the, if, for example, if Bitcoin breaks out and everyone's like, okay, the, any fears of prolonged consolidation, bear market, whatever, have been eradicated. I can see a world where after a small ETH BTC pullback on the Bitcoin breakout, you just get ETH continuation. Mm -hmm. And for a while, that creates a vacuum for the other layer ones, right? Like maybe I can go a week without seeing Pokemon on my Twitter feed. That would be really cool.
<laughs> yeah, I I want that to happen, but I just don't trust myself that that is what's going to happen. It's probably still how I'll play it, though. Right. Um, because my risk basis is not the same as other people's, and that's a big part of this, too. Like, um, ETH, if ETH is such a good-looking trade overall, and you're, like, generally happy with what you can achieve in the ETH landscape, then you have mm -hmm. a little bit less need to say i'm gonna go chase the next bsc landscape where it's like <laughs> yeah. sure you hear about every now and then some scam 100x's but then like for every scam 100x's there's like 17 rug pulls you know um yeah yeah the returns become diminishing pretty quickly it's like when all of crypto twitter was like oh we're getting rug pulled by you know tiktok is so much better than us and ahead of the curve that was kind of a top the top for a lot of those projects and sentiment wise generally that aligned quite nicely with a, a cool down in that sector um what do you think eth btc could retest to as you go all the way back to the weekly prior high like the 0.043 or do you think that that would actually be kind of bearish if it gets all the way back to that point uh that that's kind of the furthest uh, i would be comfortable with it going um to be honest with you as you mentioned 0.04 yeah roughly thereabouts like the previous like i don't want it trading back below any of its breakout levels right. generally speaking so this is decent sort of 43 45s whatever um i don't want this uh to be kind of the final leg before it trades back below the breakout and then does whatever like one thing that eth btc isn't good for is you, you don't want to see it come back just like breakouts generally the best breakouts you don't want to see them come back and if they do you want it done very quickly either immediately upon breaking out on like some lower time frame touch and go or you want it to come back much much later once it's already gone like a million x um very scary in bull markets are breakouts which don't lead to anything or go anywhere um th those are the ones generally not worth sticking around for so yeah if we if that trade plays out as in btc up and breaks out ETH in relative terms down a little bit so ETH btc down as well i don't want to see it at least on a higher time frame basis losing any of its breakouts and then if we have our full bull market goggles on um sort of macro continuation big weekly candles of green uh, i i can see a world in which eth just keeps going and again this is kind of my 50 iq play um it was strong when the market was weak if the market's strong i expect it to be even stronger so <laughs> we'll see how well that goes yeah uh cred people want us to chart phantom uh i literally don't even know what it is i <laughs> i put it on my i put it on my chart a couple weeks ago uh, it's oh, it is. FTM USDT on Binance. It's been listed yeah. there for a while. Like, is this a, is this a layer one type think, of deal? Yeah, I think it's like, I think it's Matic-ish, AVAX-ish. Oh, I see. Uh, yeah. Somebody says it's Andre related. Uh, <laughs> uh, I mean, this is a decent example of. Again, I know nothing about this project. It's just pure yes, it, yeah, uh, TA chicanery. Yeah, look at these like just massive candles. <laughs> like, yeah, <it's laughs> yeah like, I know, I know, it's bed. great. Um, how's, like, how is this not on my radar, right? Um, there was another but, yeah, one. Alpha did the same thing. Like, oh, seven, yeah, seven days of down, and then now it's just like making all of those bottom sellers, like relative bottom sellers. <laughs> like, seething. Just, yeah, it's just totally seething. And I did this in Ave, by the way. I did the exact same <laughs> thing in Ave. I sold the dead ass bottom of Ave. <sighs> I, I think this is a good I, example. I at least put where... back in ETH, but still, it's like. Oh wait, you are, did you puke RV USD bottom? Yes, but I, back to back to ETH because I thought e, I I thought ETH would outperform. 
Uh, okay, so that's not too bad, actually. But it, um, didn't, it didn't outperform. It went half as fast on the way up. <laughs> <laughs> it yeah, it rotations are hard, man. Rotations are hard. Um, yeah. And again, it's it's almost a privilege to be in that position. Like, okay, where can I make the most money because everything's going up? Act like, like those four massive green candles don't exist. And, like, what's your general outlook on, on Ave there? You know, it's like, <laughs> it's like triple bottom at 300. And, it like, triple bottoms don't exist. I just was like, this... If this nukes, it's going to 200. So uh, Don, I, I had the same view as you, but Don was beating the Ave bullish drum. Because he loves because... these ranges. He doesn't care about chart patterns. He doesn't care about doubles and triple <sighs> bottoms. He just For him, it was ranges. just this. This is why he. I, he, I yeah. had the same view as you. I was like, Ave looks like like whatever. But then his whole point was it's it's retesting the top side of its BTC pairs. It's probably going to do pretty well. Yeah. Um, and I disagreed with him on one week at Moon and then kind of forcibly <laughs> agreed with him for the next week so this can be good um i think we're seeing a slight renaissance of uh altcoin e even bitcoin pairs when it comes to DeFi, because a lot of the early DeFi guys were big bitcoin guys as i'm sure you're aware right yeah. um so for them it kind of makes sense because they're not leverage punting this for pennies right it doesn't make any sense for them to do these are like big portfolio rebalancing stuff from people who have a lot of Bitcoin. So it kind of makes sense to view um, in the appropriate context, the altcoin or the even DeFi Bitcoin pair, just when you kind of know who the player is pushing size around. When know? I was rooting for Ave running the FIBS on the USD pair, the DeFi, or the BTC relative support was a huge component of that at the beginning mm -hmm. of the year. Um, and uh, you can't see it here very well, but it was at like the, when it was on Lend, um, Oh, yeah. it, was called, it was just called ethland on uniswap it actually um tested it's like roughly hundred dollar high uh on the on the usd basis a couple of times and um the the fibs were what took it to 500 and that was like i just think it's gonna break this high and run the fibs um, <laughs> I, and it that's exactly what it did but then it just chopped around but anyway the btc pair on ave was also of really close to the some of the long-term moving averages that i like <laughs> um so yeah i think I'm a, i am a, a believer in um in the those btc pairs still For even, sure. even though like some of these btc pairs look pretty good while the eth pairs like turned into trash <laughs> especially uh, now right like recently that, that'll be exaggerated yeah so if you're trying to look at three different things here's what it was so Ave had this long-term consolidation. Um, and I apologize, I, don't, I, I still don't no, no, share sorry. my screen with you. Long-term consolidation. And when Which pair are you looking at, sorry? Ave BTC. Okay. And January 15th of 2021, it uh, kind of broke up from that consolidation. And that was also um, a moving average flip for against BTC, like the two, oh, okay. a 200-day yeah. moving average, which is kind of my barometer for a market in general. Mm -hmm. um, and when it broke that, it was the same time it was breaking those prior all-time highs at like a hundred bucks uh, versus USDT, and it was that kind of rare confluence where like both yes. pairs just break out in the most perfect way. Um, and I was like, this thing's just going to mark up like crazy. And uh, I mean, it just it just went absolutely nuts. And now it's got this kind of rounded bottom consolidation. Never got back to the two hundred really. Uh, if you're looking at that pair, so it still looks strong. But as an Ave, like if you're in Ave long term, you're also just in pain that whole time, like since <laughs> February, because it's months of not being in other stuff. Um, yes. So, 
I mean, you can go tell that to YFI holders for some time. Yeah, right? yeah. It's like, how are you mad? You bought this thing when it was like five thousand dollars. Now it's at fifty, and but you're like, yeah, but it was also fifty in September 2020. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> yeah, that's the difficulty. Uh, this this is kind of if you want S and P esque price action to some extent. I mean, obviously not not perfect, but that model of higher highs being ultimately inconsequential until much later. This in encapsulates that quite well right mm -hmm. like yeah. compare this with sushi right a higher high in yearn meant or has meant absolutely nothing if you look at when sushi was the best to trade like any breakout was just like the most amazing entry or compounding opportunity ever and i think with altcoins this is the type of price action that works best if it starts consolidating like play the range sure but holding those for too long um when other stuff is trending is, is always a labor of love and more I, than anything i've uh i've been trying to do some battle with uh wi-fi again um oh have you yeah but the reason is once again kind of like what we were talking about back then with uh ave i actually think the btc pair might be telling us something with wi-fi yeah. this time uh 20 day 200 day price is bouncing between them the 200 day this is the first time since it's existed that it would be able to clear it to the top side and it's consolidating with higher lows, lower highs. Um, basically, if this, the the easy mode trade that I had highlighted is if it goes beyond one BTC per Wi-Fi, I think the easy trade is 1.5. So that's actually mm -hmm. quite nice trade all by itself. Um, if you're trying to like preempt that, you're getting 0.86 to 0.9. Like it's quite a discount if you're like buying ahead of time. <laughs> Um, the, the danger there is you end up sitting there for two weeks or three weeks yeah. or however long yeah. while you wait for that clearance. Uh, but I do think if it, if it breaks above it, <clears throat> the 200 days at 0 0.92, 0 0.93. So yeah, even, even that's maybe a seven day, a 7% discount before it like truly clears one and goes off. And I, I think this BTC pair might be the clue for the USD pair properly breaking out. But I've been punished by Wi-Fi so many times. <laughs> you know, I, I, I don't think the, you're the only one. Uh, this the, it seems to be a trend with this coin. Yeah, but I think I think that the signal there is like few enough people are going to be there. Like it'll be it'll have been sent to such strong hands in that amount <laughs> yeah. of time that yeah. like, they will hold for 100k. You know, like it'll go to 100k. It'll go to more. Somebody in my chat, I think they called actually for like. 2.8 uh wi uh Gosh. BTC per Wi-Fi which would be a full retest of like the world's yeah, ugly, the, the, the world's highest. the world's ugliest head and shoulders slash <laughs> whatever you want to call that um, yeah yeah, for sure. I think weekly market structure, I would really like some evidence of impulsiveness from there cuz actually it's been really good in terms of how clear it's been. You've got low Jason from I, Telegram. Shout out Jason from Telegram. He has a Twitter. Oh, now. shout out Jason, Jason from Tele TG on Twitter. Oh, what a legend. Yeah, he was a, he, <laughs> he was an excellent guest. Really good to listen to and also accurate, which is perhaps yeah. most important. Uh, I can actually, you know, if we're playing memes, um, generally speaking with Mark, I don't like fading weekly market structure. I want to be on its side. So some sort of higher high would be late, but really good. And um, that would open up that's a that, lot. That's that per one BTC per, right? Yeah, roughly around there. And there's a lot of confluence there. But also, we just always play the memes that, you know, you have like some sort of support. If this is the overthrow, if we get a head and shoulders um, inverted on any type of dip, uh, that would also be decent. But I'm going to be completely honest, dude. You're Recently, in the last year or so, I've become so much more comfortable buying high and selling higher 
rather than trying to preempt consolidations breaking out or playing the range high in anticipation and expansion, whatever. See, I've come to peace with trading in the middle of nowhere if other people want to buy it from me. It, you sounds, know what I mean? like, it sounds like to me you're successfully sliding down the left side of the curve. Yeah, it really like, has been the I'm case. Like, yeah. I'm like hanging on like Tom Cruise and Cliffhanger, <laughs> like just hanging on to that middle tier, you know, and I just can't convince myself. You want to look at, and this is going to support your argument. Let's close the loop on how do we analyze these trades? You look at USD, you look at BTC, you look at mm -hmm. ETH. Now look at Wi-Fi ETH. This oh, is either this is either the greatest like breakdown breakdown reclaim moon, or just like ready to get absolutely hosed, like make this all-time low versus ETH. <laughs> like oh yeah, I see what you're saying. You know we're bullish we're bullish ETH, but like. The lows, the daily lows from August 2020 on Wi-Fi are actually like um, 11 ETH per Wi-Fi, basically. Mm -hmm. And if mm -hmm. this fails, like this looks like a giant descending triangle. Like this looks like bear market charts that, yes. that then break down and like make everyone go into like severe, you know, uh, cuddle up in a ball positions. Um, so if this goes down from 17 to 11, like the Wi-Fi pain will still exist. And... Like this is kind of that final test, right? Of if it can reclaim this, and I don't know what that level is, but it actually maybe it's like twenty, twenty. Yeah, it looks like twenty on my chart. Yeah, uh, that's where it's like, just wait, just wait. I'm telling myself this, right? Seventeen seven five right now. Just wait until it clears twenty, and then play the twenty to twenty eight, uh, <laughs> like trade. That's the that's the kind of easy mode trade if we want to play that one. What will the USD pair be then? It should be in price discovery by then, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's kind of like the third check on how am I going to play this trade? And um, do you agree with that process? Maybe it'll go up a tick with every jab that Andre lands on Messi in Dubai. That, that's my <laughs> kind of fundamental analysis. <laughs> um, yeah, I agree. It's, it's Look, it's both a blessing and a curse that we have so many pairs to look at yeah. when when trying to gauge gauge an altcoin. Um, the duck, at least, has made a fairly convincing case that the BTC pair is really good for Wi-Fi, more so than the USD pair. Um, this is, at least for me, this is one of those where it's underperformed even when DeFi was like literally at its hottest. Mm -hmm. And there were some sort of fundamental hiccups, if you will, uh, around that time. So it can be sort of explained, but that's kind of just one more hurdle to cross, right? I've got like a presumption of weakness that even in good conditions, this underperforms its peers. And I need, and therefore I need to set some sort of evidence or standard for it to prove that it can do better. So for me, like either daily or weekly, some sort of higher high, some sort of market structure break. Like get out of this EM, like moving average pinch that you mentioned. Yeah. Like show me some signs of impulsiveness. And my 50 IQ has no issues buying high to sell higher. But, but yeah, I need, I, I need this not impulse because you think it's leading to a 200% move. Exactly. And I think that's something people miss out on a lot in bull markets. Like, yeah, you're buying like a 20% candle, but if, you, if you've got like a reasonable or maybe unreasonable, that might even be better, <laughs> like an unreasonable expectation that it'll go up multiples of that, then your entry isn't really that important, right? I've always argued that the, um, how tight your entry is should bear some sort of 
relationship with the the move you're trying to capture. It's like if you're scalping Bitcoin, playing these short-term rotations, you need to be precise. If you think this thing is going to be multiples higher in whatever period of time, then your job is almost getting an entry more so than where exactly it is, right? Yeah. Um, so I'd rather pay up once I have the trigger because I don't care. Like pay for that conviction rather than, you know, pay half up front hoping that the second half follows through, you know? Yeah, this kind of reminds me if, if you remember like April 2019 bear market altcoins with some hopium. Oh, uh, God. Kind of what Wi-Fi reminds me of. See. <laughs> like, it's like, yeah, it's totally in reverse. It's Everything's going to be great. And then you get like two weeks of upside and then... Oh, that, 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 was, that was really brutal. Um, won't be forgetting that in a while. Uh, but yeah, look, like this is this is the thing, right? You're spoiled for choice when the market's bullish. So why play coins that look weak and have more to prove rather than stuff that kind of goes up only and makes it difficult to lose money, right? I have to uh, challenge myself, like, you know, CMS on his Twitter profile, do you want to be right or do you want to make money or whatever? Exactly. Too often I want to be right. <laughs> like, I obviously yeah. want to make money, but, like, my desire to be right or, like, to call, a, like, for myself, <laughs> like, seek, seek the entirety of the move, the breakout, um, whatever, like, that I think it too often ends up causing me to buy these anticipatory breakouts that then end up being like consolidation pains while like somebody mm -hmm. else's coins are just going nuts. Um, yeah. And, and a, a bit of hubris to not want to buy that 20%. <laughs> you know, like, and, and today it's like FTM. Maybe this is the exact example. Right. Maybe I should be buying right now because it's up 34%. But you know what? I'm not going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I should now. <laughs> just because you said that. <laughs> but it's like, okay, good. It just made a new high. 65 cents. Now it's at 77. It's about to go to an all-time high. Like any $1 any, psychological level. <laughs> yeah, any P brains like mm, $2 soon. You know, and I'm like, <laughs> screw you. I'm not buying up 35%. Like, like, I should be market buying a... right this moment. <laughs> thing is there is a kind of hidden benefit in the in the bell curve argument whereas if you're buying strength a lot of the time your invalidation is clearer than if you're buying ambiguous conditions yeah. right so with the yfi example like let's say it's sort of at mid-range or near resistance and then it makes its way to the range low or at support like does that mean you're manifestly wrong on the on the idea like not really right it just ends up being this gray area where you're less right than before but it's not a good place in terms of EV or whatever to close the trade necessarily because if it's going to bounce anywhere, it's there. Whereas a lot of the time, if you're buying these big candles, mega moon breakouts, whatever, you know pretty clearly that if this daily gets retraced or this these two dailies get retraced, you're almost certainly wrong. Uh, so you have like a really clear... So you have two things which you don't have on the other pairs, which is one... Uh, existing evidence of strength as opposed to waiting for it and two uh, much clearer invalidation which is closer to market and which leaves you with no doubts i think that's why the mid like the 50 iq plays are really clear a lot of the time uh, because the scope for disagreement is pretty narrow uh, but where it does exist it's pretty clear where you're getting out and where things turn sour whereas if you're trading consolidations or stuff that isn't impulsive uh, the amount of mental gymnastics you can perform and you know be wrong while still being right or vice versa uh, these are just more difficult trades and i think if we're making the argument that this is retail bull market continuation tiktok etc uh, i think it's kind of buy breakout season rather than um reclaim this and all the stuff that we learned in in the bear market you know what i mean 
Yes, I do know what you mean. I should be buying this right this second. Um, and in fact, <laughs> this is going to be the best performer next by, by this time next <laughs> week. Like, and I, neither I, you nor I will have bought a single penny. <laughs> well, no, I just actually looked it up and I want to see, like, because this is one of the things that gets at me. I don't know how many times we can talk about our IQ in one show, but like it might be hitting a record. Um, I'm just coping. Um, the, why, why is this traded on like Uniswap and stuff? Uh, mm -hmm. If they are a layer one with their AMMs and all that stuff, and it's going to kill ETH or like be the better, whatever it is, like why is the trading occurring on on ETH dexes? That's what I don't understand. But I did, <laughs> I did just check, and um, like it, it's fairly liquid on on a dex, but it's not it's not great. But I do, I'm sure all the activities like on Binance or somewhere. I don't know. Yeah, it was dif difficult to. Uh, yeah, once it gets to places where people know how to how to trade it's gonna i think it's just this is where the volume goes uh i'd be interested to know how prevalent like if something starts off on uniswap right and then makes its way over to a centralized exchange like a binance like a big one uh, i wonder what the kind of net impact on like how, how much volume does the centralized centralized exchange take um on that type of move i'd imagine for a lot it's 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 a big chunk right like if you have something on uniswap that gets listed on a centralized exchange that probably takes up the bulk of I the think, trading right i think it could end up being both i'm not really sure what i would credit all of the like market dynamics for creating liquidity on a dex but like sushi and wi-fi and uni i mean you can buy extraordinary yeah. for like pretty low slippage on a dex but they're also very liquid on a centralized exchange and there are other tokens where like despite being large it's just really hard to buy on a dex um and a lot of it's like liquidity incentives that they provide for holders and stuff mm -hmm. no matter what if it's like kind of a top tier token though you get it on the big centralized exchanges ftx and binance and stuff they end up like liquid enough to where you can enter and, and do what you want to do um, so i don't think they're mutually exclusive necessarily but you know some are definitely better than others uh in terms of on the dex itself Whereas on a centralized exchange, pretty much if it's like not a total garbage coin, <laughs> even if it takes you a bit, you can get in. And that's what's hard about an AMM is you, it's, you, you, you can't like chunk stuff very easily. You know, like mm -hmm. if you're buying $10,000 at a time or $50,000 at a time or like whatever your budget is, um, you're getting slipped, you're paying you know, 50 to a hundred dollars for the transaction is <laughs> pretty tough, you know, like, and that eats into your, your potential trade profits, your, the ability to exit it can be a little harder. I still think it's like the, uh, a significant future, but like, I'm interested to see what uni 3.0 does fundamentally to in better enable DEX trading. Um, because it's pretty hard right now. Um, and I'm still trying to do a decent amount of my trading on a DEX. Uh, partially is that out of principle or just to well no partially because as an american like some of these aren't available on the US sure. versions um like i like ftx us i like blockfolio obviously obviously like, blockfolio for americans doesn't have the options that uh like ftx international blockfolio its international customers can have um and that's just a sad state of the market for someone that's in America, you know? Yeah. So the DEXs end up being a better place for me to buy stuff, even if it's not always very liquid and if it's more expensive and, you know, thank you American regulatory bodies for making my life harder. Yeah. Just the cost of trading goes up significantly. It just becomes harder to, um, be profitable. And also I, I know this is far detached from the 
crypto Twitter canon, but in some version of the universe, leverage is actually used to reduce your counterparty risk, right? So you can trade the same positions as you normally would while not keeping as much money on exchange. Um, back in the day, that, that was a valid use case for leverage, whereas now, of course, it's just a, to crank it up and trade more size than you would otherwise. But that's also something you end up being deprived of if you're from a jurisdiction that's not uh, terribly friendly towards towards these products, which yeah. is which is unfortunate. Dan in your chat wants us to uh, look at Link. We can certainly take a look at Link. I think the Duck was talking about it. Re uh, I don't know. I seem like I mean the BTC pair really not not much to be honest. Um, it's. It's part like the left side of the chart is kind of analog analogous. Well, analogous is not a word. Uh, analogous to the discussion we had about sushi, where this is the type of stuff you want to trade. Like trade, these conditions are really good, and when they change, it just becomes not as fun and not as attractive. Like when when stuff moves from this to this, other stuff is entering this phase, and that's kind of more or less the rotations, at least for me, that you want to be looking for. While something's making trading it easy and trending, et cetera, uh, at least for altcoins, I think that's where all the opportunity lies. And when it exhibits these shifts in behavior and starts chopping or distributing, ranging, whatever, um, I, I just think it's far less attractive and also even you know somewhat more riskily, it's, it's not as predictable as it was previously. I mean, the BTC pair is chop. I think the USD pair, if I remember correctly, is like, is it all-time high grindy? Yeah, I mean, that, that, that's what that is. Um, which is which is fine, but again, um, given we're in the bull market, you want your altcoins to be outperforming Bitcoin, to be outperforming ETH or whatever your benchmark is. I haven't looked at the Link ETH chart, yeah. uh, but that doesn't look like. Um, I mean, yeah, it's, it's not looks like a reversal. I don't know. It doesn't doesn't look strong. That's my that's my first impression. It looks, it looks like absolute trash. The the <laughs> yeah. Marines they used to love me. They would like they screenshotted some tweet where I said like Link BTC I think was one of the most bullish charts I'd ever seen in my life. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then Kobe responded to me something like that does look good. Uh, they used to screenshot that, and now I'm like I think Link's realized its full potential as a project, <laughs> <laughs> and they're just like, <laughs> yeah, like that's very a, angry. <laughs> a very risky one to go for. It's a very but the the, the insane part about Link is this, its strongest trend happened when the market was at its most shit, right? Yeah. And then when altcoins get to rip. That's when it started underperforming like ETH and BTC and DeFi, etc. Um, <laughs> despite actually having very, you know, by virtue of being an oracle um, and being widely used within DeFi. So all, all the stars were aligned for it to actually do very well relative to DeFi uh, from a narrative and fundamental standpoint, whatever. Uh, it's, it's, it kind of peaked in high school type of thing, right? That's sort of the chart that I'm seeing. Well, I think like, it's also like I'm too gone. early on the relative trade on like when I talk about Solana and stuff, it'll probably go to 100 and, you know, people will <laughs> be making fun of me for the next six months. But right. like that's what happened on Link, right? Like that, yes. like by the time it was consensus, the only thing with momentum, there was no more momentum. <laughs> um like, and that's what it was at the top. Like everybody was like, Link is just the Uber Chad and whatever. Uh, Ave did the same thing in February. It's like, it just went to 500, like 100, 500 in like three weeks. Yeah, um, yeah. But when it reaches those climactic points, like tends to be it. 
especially on that relative basis until it's had plenty of time to chill. Um, and Link, uh, on a relative basis, I think it might do quite a bit more than chill. Um, and that's not, I'm not bearish on Link fundamentally. I'm bearish on Link in a momentum perspective. Mm-hmm. Uh, because like you just showed, it just doesn't have the proof. Um, and yeah, Link Marines already don't like me, so they can just <laughs> add this to their group. Add it to the long list. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think they like the, uh, I, I don't think I've got a reputation among the Link Marines. I know the duck's been on and off because he buys it when it looks bullish and doesn't and shorts it when it looks bearish. Uh, so that's, that's unacceptable, obviously, <laughs> at least the second part of that is, but yeah, I think, look, when you're spoiled for short, like it's the same old, old thing, even when you're trading well, uh, you don't start like being more careful when you're on a heater, right? You t- you turn it up because you never know how long these conditions are going to last. So you want to make the most of them and trade more size up or look at more markets, whatever. I think a similar logic can be applied to bull markets generally. If you, if there's no shortage of charts, which look insane, making higher highs, trending, looking bullish, moving quickly, jumping through market cap hoops, etc., uh, there's there's no good reason to to focus on the stuff that isn't. Um, and I've always found the catch-up narrative to be slightly weird. And part of the reason is because you end up making the implicit agreement that this is strong and it's up, so I'm not going to buy it. And in case I'm going to buy something which isn't strong and isn't up and relatively weak to the stuff that is, <laughs> which is, I don't know, it, it seems quite like contorted to me. Or at the very least, if I'm going to play like lagging stuff, I want it to show proof that it's going to stop lagging, right? Like a break in market structure or like a big green day when the market's red. I like need to see some of that juice, some of that impulsiveness, because otherwise you end up in this weird world where you're playing the 2017 game of would you buy this stuff that's either going down sideways, whatever, while everything else is ripping. It's like, well, no, I wouldn't buy it. Why would I buy that when, you know, there are dozens of other coins with their own narratives and whatever else that are going up. So I think being picky in the bull market is something you can actually afford to do simply because all of the charts look so well, so many of the charts look so good. You know, that's a good, that's a good sentence. Being picky in a bull market is something that you can afford to do. Right. Uh, that's something that I think we could all. Uh, <laughs> so FTM. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Seriously. Uh, so Planet Street asked if we could if we could talk about Cred's portfolio. So what is Cred Trade? Ooh, um, I think the stuff that I mentioned earlier on: Bitcoin, ETH, FTT, Solana, BNB, is the overwhelming majority. Okay. High momentum, high liquidity. Yeah, that that's that's pretty much it. Um, there are some like within those, I'll do some kooky stuff, like go all in FTT for like a few months, mm-hmm. which happened recently. That was really good. Um, it, I felt, you know what, that fear that you mentioned, Ledger. That's what I felt like going all into a chart that looks like this, right? Mm. Um, more or less on the break of this consolidation. Yeah, I think so, it's psychopath. Right. Part of me is like, what am I doing up here? There's no business to be done here, etc. But, you know, uh, opening the window to, you know, turn drawing back the curtains, the 50 IQ life uh, has certainly been enlightening, but it perhaps suggests that the end times are near if I'm the one doing it. Uh, But yeah, broadly speaking, big caps and stuff that I think will move with the big caps and maybe outperform uh, if I'm feeling a bit more risky but no I'm, I'm not a huge mid cap type of guy or shit coiner it's, it's never I, i've never been fully competent at that so i, I play the 
the, the bigger so-called blue chips and cope as well is it cope the token both <laughs> <laughs> yeah what about you what how does rook uh is that uh, a relic of the past i saw i saw messi was getting messy about uh rook um actually it didn't die so that's no it didn't uh, die i'm trying to where's my freaking chart um has the fundamental picture changed with sort of mev mitigation no type I, of... I think um so i didn't follow my plan on rook which was the bad part uh, uh because i planned to get rid of my rook when it had centralized exchange uh liquidity not that i would receive the liquidity but that that would be a moment for sell-off it turned mm -hmm. out that was the moment for sell-off and i just nice. i waited too long to do it <laughs> uh you didn't want to crash the market how how benign and yeah. benevolent you are so my thing on on a project like that is that it was like very right um, but then like way too long in in like following my uh, earliest plan you know what i mean so mm -hmm. like still end up making many multiples on it but like missed many multiples waiting on it to like take the next leg um, sure. so for me like i was buying rook under a hundred dollars um and got rid of it many multiples above that but like one obviously didn't sell the top which if i'd followed my plan it would have actually sold the exact top sure um and then two while it consolidated and went down missed like stuff that i really wanted in like the first leg of matic from 11 cents or oh gosh or yeah. hnt uh helium network from four dollars and like <laughs> i watched those make multiples while my stuff went sideways so that was pretty painful um yeah but it's not that i think it's dead i think i think it's a good token a good project um and i'm i'm willing to go heavy on it again i'm just not as heavy on it right now is all mm -hmm. um but i don't want to get well, broadly that. speaking are you ethereum heavy yes at the I'm, moment? I'm ethereum heavy and i want to outperform mm -hmm. ethereum which is very hard to do mm -hmm. um i still think zrx will have like price exploration and it actually got to it and then decided to fail completely. Um, let's see. How do you plan to outperform ETH? Is it via DeFi? Do you, do you see that? Yeah, yeah. By DeFi and then taking some, like, trying to every now and then take, like, a, a rational long against ETH and kind of hedging if ETH beats DeFi. So maintaining DeFi exposure and then mm -hmm. margin longing, very low leverage, small portions of my portfolio. ETH to like try to capture in case it doesn't. Your ETH leverage doesn't. trade must have gone well, right? You mentioned, I think it was like a week ago that you were taking your first leverage I was, trade in a while. Was it like 2200? It would have gone better if I didn't stop myself out and have to re enter. Uh, oh, okay. So it still did okay, but like it, it failed my location where it was like kind of the, the, the pivot point. Uh -huh. and so no, I didn't, it hadn't gone as well as it should have, but it's gone fine. Like it's the way I would phrase it basically. Uh, and that was just one of those, like the process was right. The outcome was like, eh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. so anyway, the, the ZRX play, it needs, it, it had a weekly close into price expiration and then it failed it. And then it had two weeks down one week up. So it's just kind of sitting here in no man's land yeah. against ETH. This is failing my, my, um, 
exactly my stated goal though, right? Like I'm not outperforming E sitting in this while it's sideways. Uh, but I do still like it. Um, another one that I like is uh, Curve, which mm -hmm. um, this is one similar to what Ave showed is like relative to uh, relative to BTC. I think it actually looks really ready for markup. Um, and also sitting here just below all time highs. If these don't go to all time highs, like I'm gonna sit here coping, like <laughs> anticipating breakouts to all time highs. So that's the risk. If they do break to all time highs, like I anticipate, then I'll probably have a period of weeks where I massively outperform the market. Yeah. Um, but so far it's like, depending on when I entered an exit and I've kind of rolled in and out of some of these at times, but these are like the coins I like to select uh, to choose like, how am I playing? How am I looking at? Um, Sushi just decided to try to reenter that today. Um, mm -hmm. My biggest win in a while from a percentage perspective was actually Lido, which is Kobe's coin. Oh um, yeah, yeah. And that's up to, it got up to like three bucks today and I got that around a dollar. So I got multiples nice. on that. Uh, of course I never talked about it until just now. So I'm like, I'm f clout farming it. Um, <laughs> but it was hardly even technical. Um, they had like some good fundamental news that I FOMO'd in on. Uh, it's very illiquid, but this is the easy. Was one. it all the chads investing yeah, or was yeah, that? Yeah, it was yeah. Like three arrows and some other people that uh, invested. And I was like, well, that's really cool and jumped in. I'm looking at the Uniswap chart on it right now, which is not where it's most liquid. So it didn't do this on Sushi or wherever it is liquid. Mm -hmm. but you can't, it's, it's a tough one to enter with size. Um, other than that, I've done, um, done some other stuff, but mostly uh, trying to be pretty ETH heavy and I'm not unsatisfied with that. So. Um, no, it would be difficult to, <laughs> it'd be hard to complain, especially, especially in these circumstances. Yeah, I talked, um, to, I talked to Don on Weekly Open like right back here when it had this tiny little weekly wick below 0.03. And I was like, I think that might've been the bottom. And I just mm -hmm. assumed it was and waited. And then we got a nice week of cushion. So ever yeah. since then, it's been able to kind of be my like, all right, well, I feel like fairly safe just denominating an ETH while this stays mm -hmm. above those levels. Um, the big advantage I've had this year is that uh, I've played the market poorly since February, but I played the market so well from a timing perspective. I went from basically being Bitcoin only to being DeFi only January like second. Mm -hmm. um, and people were not convinced yet in January because Bitcoin was mooning, like super mooning. And I was like, I think this rotation is occurring. I think it's occurring at the beginning of the year. And then I just followed my plan on that. And I so massively outperformed the market that on a Bitcoin relative basis, I'm like way up on an ETH relative basis, I'm way up. And that's while being an absolute piece of crap trader for the past two months. <laughs> um, so like, I just can't, I can't get mad about that because like my process was okay. It wasn't perfect, but like as a, as a trader swing investor, you're never going to like nail it. You know, mm -hmm. and I just recognize I've been around long enough to recognize like I went through a couple month period where I've made some tactical mistakes that I could have done better. But now's not the time to like give up my processes as a whole. So I'm still going to sure. do my dumb stuff of like, all right, well, what's the like weekly macro telling me? What are my 200 day moving averages telling me? What are my checks when I go down the list of USD, BTC, ETH relative pairs? 
Do I think these can break out in a bull market? Am I going to anticipate the breakout? Yes, I am. It's not like you just talked about. It's smarter to play the impulse. And I right. mostly agree. Um, but I, for some reason, I feel a, a, a better safety by anticipating some of those. So like, I hope I get these breakouts that I want, but if I'm not patient for when they occur, like on a ZRX, it'll move to $2 from $2 to $5. The moment I decide to bail on it. <laughs> uh, so like, that's kind of how I'm, I'm playing it. Um, yeah. Anyway, I, I don't no, know if that a, answers the question. Like it's oh, been it almost a, certainly does. It, I went from like totally euphoric mid February as like the DeFi narrative essentially, uh, capped out like near-term potential to consistently like making the wrong move, even though I saw what the right move was, but I, <laughs> I like refused to rotate properly. Uh, and when you pull the bandaid and decide you're going to like follow your process again, then like things recover, even if it just takes a little bit. So I'm hoping that I can get back to my market outperformance um, over the course of the summer. Um, and I'm, I've, you know, I've been getting there. I've been making some relative gains on, in the portfolio finally, but it's, uh, you know, like I went through a two month dry spell and it hurt. Didn't feel good at all. Yeah. I think part of the issue is oddly enough, at least for new people, uh, Twitter can be a, both a blessing and a curse. Cause if you have even a, a reasonably eclectic list of people that you follow, everyone's winning but also across different sectors right all you see is like a permanent highlight reel so someone's made an amazing play on punks this guy found an amazing farm this this guy got into this whatever pre-sale or listing then there's d5 and these play, players are doing margin trades etc etc like it, it's really overwhelming when there's so much going on and the only sort of thing you see are wins across all these different sectors and if you're barely trying to if you're barely matching the index that can certainly put you on a bit of a uh downer and, and make you chase things that you have no business chasing yeah, you turn um, you turn wrong bad decisions into bad process exactly yeah but be, being in the market i think for most people at least if this is your first cycle certainly being staying surviving in the market uh, is going to be a huge win uh, and then outperforming the index or whatever benchmark you have. I mean, that's huge and also increasingly difficult the the more things heat up. So as you very correctly, in my view, mentioned, like you shouldn't, if it's avoidable, sacrifice your process to chase those extra few percentage points that would get you over the index, over the benchmark, outperforming ETH, whatever. Um, because there will come a time we'll look back at this very fondly, specifically this period of time where you know it's all easy. Even though right now we just said it was hard. Exactly, exactly. So that's that. You know, it's always it's always worth keeping that uh, in mind. And it, it's weird, right? You've got the best bull market kind of ever, but you've also got more opportunities to get wrecked on leverage than ever before as well. Um, and the futures, open interest, and everything else, and volumes are higher than ever before. Understandably. Uh, so it's this weird um, juxtaposition where th what you need to do to do well, that threshold is very low, but the amount of ways in which you can get wrecked, I don't think has ever been higher between kind of leverage, all these farms, pools, IDOs, all these other versions of listings. I don't know. It, it, it's very, very, uh, you know, temptation is everywhere in the Garden of Eden uh, at this yeah. point, you know. And you know, like as an example on the leverage front, I had not played leverage yet this year. <laughs> <laughs> then I played it 
and was right within my risk tolerances that I set aside, yet manually stopped myself out because of like a f- small daily close below my level that mattered. So I yeah. decided to like obey the process and manually stop out, even though I had not like percentage wise stopped out like from what I had to do. <laughs> so like I still failed and it went up 30, like 25%. <laughs> yeah. Like I should be up a hilarious amount and like, it's up in USD gang. And I don't know if I'm back to even yet in ETH gang, <laughs> you know, like that's, <laughs> that's absurd. That's absurd. It is absurd. Yeah. And that's like low leverage. And like, you see all these people playing extraordinarily high leverage. And I think what you're not missing is that $15 billion that blew, you know, blew people out. It blew people out. And there are people who lost everything that you don't see it or like one in 10, you hear about it, but most just like quietly disappear. I mean, the open interest tells the story, right? right? It's like the market's gone. <laughs> yeah, and every now and then you'll see like uh, like lost porn. I don't like that word, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. Where somebody's like, oh, man, I lost uh, $2 million today. And it's like, okay, well, you're just flexing that you have like $10 million in your derivatives account. Okay, good job, good job, good job. Um, like I, I hope that those people survive in the long term. but like, if you're playing that level of risk, if you're using the default margin on a platform of like 20 X likelihood, not going to make it. Um, so I'll, I'll take my slow and steady, um, because I feel more confident that in the long term, I'll be able to perform well enough in this market to accomplish the goals that I have in life. That's a very responsible adult midwit articulation (laughs) um no no i agree i agree um i always used to overstate or or at least overrate the um advice of just stick around and survive learn day by day etc that really smart people were telling me in 2017 Uh, and now in 2021 i you know it's abundantly clear to me that that's true yeah um yeah it's amazing it's amazing you think back about like fretting about everything but in reality it's like if bitcoin didn't die then down 70 percent is a pretty darn good place to accumulate <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah for sure um and yeah the asymmetry is always going to be to the upside right all those march kind of chad calls oh i called the crash etc etc uh, well what followed you know you don't need to catch any you know every single move on leverage or even any leverage to so-called outperform the crash um by a large part. I mean, yeah, if you get liquidated, that's when that's when things get a bit dicey. Uh, but generally speaking, survival as a as a priority um, has has served people well, and I don't see any huge reason uh, for that to change in the near future or just in the future generally. It's kind of the rule of markets, right? Time in the market, not timing the market. Whatever trading wisdom uh, is your is your preferred flavor. The way I like to think about it is. Um, almost like a, a very fitting, given crypto Twitter type of stuff, uh, boxing analogy. Uh, you want to keep, you want to keep jabbing, you want to keep moving, and then once every while you land a haymaker, you know, and that's that's, right. that, that, that's enough. Just don't get knocked out. Don't get knocked um, out. That's yeah. Man, I'm that said, I'm just gonna go on general on leverage anyway. <laughs> yeah, but I know what I'm doing. Sort of, I convince myself I know what I'm doing, so that's good enough for me. You know. Yeah. I've been, uh, enjoyed being with you today, Cred. I'm going to have to get going here in just a second. Um, it's been a pleasure. I'm very, thanks for making the time. I love these spontaneous 
meetups we should we should do them more often and with perhaps less spontaneity <laughs> yeah sounds good let's do it uh hope everybody has a great day excellent thanks for your time it's always a pleasure to talk man monuments crumble in the blink of an eye the easy river has just run dry in a house of cards Barely breathe. Oh, the tree.